hit it, Phil. Da, 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 da. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no! It isn't the breeze, it's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another one of our Jack Benny TV show presentations. Uh, tonight, we decided to present the very first one that I've done before. And um, the reason we're doing that is, one, I wanted to give a chance for all of our team, uh, Kathy Fuller-Seeley, John Henderson, and Terry, uh, to get a chance to talk about uh, this episode, because originally I was the only one that introduced it. It was my very first one. It was kind of a, a test to see if I could even do it, do this, and it worked. So we've been doing these uh, presentations for a little while now. Anyway, this is uh, the very first episode of the Jack Benny Show. It's it's anniversary week this week. Seventy years ago this week it came out. I just think it's a perfect time to present it. It does mention Halloween a little bit, and so I thought that was timely as well. And so I just thought, let's go ahead and present that and get a chance for all these folks to talk talk about it. Uh, also, um, Mr. Kitzel, RDR Box, uh, niece, reached out to me and uh, said that um, you know she was enjoying these presenting these episodes, but also uh, I asked her a little bit about if she remembered him and things because he died in 57 or 58. And she mentioned she did remember him. And in this podcast later on, I'll share a little bit about that. Um, but I think the part where I mentioned who she is got garbled or whatever. So I just thought I would say that is his niece that I'm talking about when I start talking about uh, the comments that were made. Anyway, uh, also, lastly, of course, if you want to watch this, it's over on YouTube. It'll be in the show notes that'll lead you over to YouTube. Um, Probably the best way to watch the thing is to watch all of us, and you get to see me in my Halloween costume as well. Uh, otherwise, you can just listen to it, which is fine too. So enjoy. Well, uh, Jello again. It's good to see everybody. Happy Halloween! I've got my outfit on for Halloween. There you go. And uh, we've got, uh, of course, John Henderson here uh, from this day in Jack Benny. We've got uh, Terry Phillips from uh, Imagine Air Theater, and uh, it's Imagine-Air-Theater, for those of us who are just hearing us and not seeing it. But he's got his little ad up, which is always good. And Kathy fuller Seely's over there, who's got a couple books out on Jack Benny. Oh, and she's got her book to, 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 to <laughs> pop up there. Yes, so uh, you can get those on uh, Amazon for sure, both her books, and they're both fantastic. And uh, I guess what, what today is, since, since it's the anniversary of Jack Benny's first appearance in radio this week, we thought we'd go ahead and cover that. And uh, we're going to show his very first episode. So I hope you're going to enjoy it. It's 45 minutes long. Uh, Jack uh, was talking to the folks in television and thought an hour was too long to do and he'd be padding it some. And he thought a, a half hour was too short. I really think he probably should have went with an hour. It's funny at the end of this, they keep on saying how they're running out of time and they got to speed things up and so forth. Whereas I think an hour, he would have actually been just fine. But but it is yeah, 45 yeah, minutes yeah. long, which is interesting. Uh, if I could just make a correction, I think you just said the first episode on radio, but oh. this is the first episode on television. And those Correct. are the kind of mistakes that we catch on my <laughs> podcast, This Day in Jack Benny. I was listening to an earlier episode of yours and you mentioned my podcast and you said that all summer long I dedicated it 
to you. Which was wonderful of you to do that. I loved it. It just every week I could tune in and hear about me. It was awesome. Well, you know, there's two Buck Bennies. One of them huh? is a quick-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Which is me. Well, well, uh, cut that out. <laughs> yeah, fine, fine. <laughs> he talked about Buck Benny, uh, Jack's character. But I did base my name off of that character. So we're sort of one and the same. More <laughs> so, so, yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That was fantastic. But, so, it, it, yeah. but back to the show. Well, yes. So Jerry and I get, um, it is amazing to think it's been 70 years. 70 years. I was talking to someone, I mean, uh, emailing with someone who claims he remembers watching that first episode. Wow. 70 years seems so 70. long. Yes. It does. You know, and yet we think about television as the second part of, of Jack's, you know, uh, you know, right. so many right. years on 18, what, how, how many years on radio up to that point? 18, 17 years 17. on said radio up to that point. He said 19 in the point. show. He said 19. Yeah, in the I think he said 17 because I looked it up to see because they said, he oh, said I wish we could 19, have a 19, I tell you. He said 19. He said, <laughs> I remember like, I watched but, it this morning. Still, he said, an, he know, said he'd been in for 19 and he said that Dawn had been on it for 17. Well, maybe yeah. you're right. You're probably right. And that, that's While the rest of our cast argues about whether it's 17 or 19, or 19. here's and a message from our sponsor. Closet, <laughs> but but it, it never ceases to amaze me. Indeed, Jack does seem nervous on this show. Um, so much He has so much at stake, and yet he's so nervous, and he's waited it at least an entire year past when CBS wanted him to start on the air. Right. Um, there's so much that's so interesting about this show, but it's, it's great to remind folks that he definitely was not on every week at this point. In fact, he was only on, what, three times within, I mean, this is the end of October. He's on in, what, January and then May and October. So it's not like he jumped into weekly um, a production after this, but also for um, uh, folks at home to realize indeed he had to come to New York for 10 days to produce oh, this one yeah. episode. This from what I can tell looking at newspapers and the press in uh, October 1950, this was the special event of the fall season of 1950 was that finally Jack Benny was going to uh, appear on television. Uh, uh, Milton Burrow had already become the king of television and I think was on his way down already. And and Sid Caesar was already busily burning himself out. So um, other pe other comics uh, were uh, uh, the big names on television on the eastern half of the country. And then here comes Jack Benny. So he had a um, a lot on his shoulders. He had a lot to be worried about. And um and there was a lot of 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 of, of, of fighting among the critics. Was this episode a success or not? I bet in retrospect that we love it, I hope. Um, but at the time, and we can get into this a few minutes later, um, it was met with really mixed critical reception. Um, um, some of the new television, some of the new critics of the new medium uh, uh, said, oh, it's the same old, same old. This is a dreadful show. Mm. Do you know what he did on his radio show while he was out in... New York filming? Like, was he on every week or did he do some like reruns? Oh, he was on every week, but he was able to start doing the recording ahead of time. 
Right. Uh, so, and it's really interesting for these years, 50 and 51, the show's talking back and, back and forth to each other. The radio show will talk about, oh, he's on his way to New York to do right. the show. And we'll talk about it. And then Dennis's mother throws her shoe through the, uh, 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 through the television screen at the, at, uh, at the Dennis Day household. Um, <laughs> so it, if, if one really drills down, it, it was to have been really interesting. Now, this show was on on a Saturday night because it was a special. And so it, it would become a problem for Jack. When does he do the television show? Because he is the king of Saturday, Sunday nights at 7. And so, um, if, indeed, it was a, a, a huge uh, uh, issue of trying to have Jack both on radio and television. Huh. Yeah. The, and they, the and they definitely time. mention this show. The, the show, um, I hardly ever plug my podcast on here, but I will plug my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, we're going through 1950 in the podcast. So he did mention it this week about that his TV show was coming up. You during the time of these TV shows that they're only four times a year currently, right, for this season, he will mention the show usually before the show and after the show, kind yeah. of a, a review sort of thing. And so you'll hear it on, on two episodes of his that usually cover that. And sometimes the plot of the radio show will be packing to go to New York yes, or on the airplane on the way back. So yeah. he's milking and then, you know, then when he's on television and he talks about, oh, I'm staying at the Acme Plaza in New York, that would only have made sense to people who've been listening to him for any number of years. So sure. the what you might call the intertextuality of the programs is really interesting. They're expecting the audience, but what how frustrating it must have been for the people who still didn't have television in 1950. Right. To, you know, let's, ah, yeah, 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 Jack, you know, uh, he's going and, and yet Jack was very worried about that too. He knew that as still the biggest name in radio, that CBS was actually expecting him to hold on to a large radio only audience. They had no idea that the television thing would ramp up so quickly. They had thought really it might take five or seven or eight years. And so Jack was actually very concerned about throwing away his radio audience for this new thing of television that he didn't know um, uh, if he was going to do well in television. So right. um, it was a really interesting period to research in his papers um, uh, and in the press uh, because I would just have thought, oh, smooth sailing, king of radio becomes king of television. Yeah. And it turns out to be anything but that. So, um, well, in television, uh, as you'll you say, find it all in a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, television was. Uh, just in its infancy and didn't have any huge stars that had come over yet or anything. I mean, uh, Milton Burrow was probably the biggest one, like you're saying, but he was at a fairly small time radio show was not right, huge. Right. Yet. These were not, these were not the top 10 radio shows that were coming over to television. These were radio shows that were kind of there and, and, and moving over. Uh, Jack was the first one to give it like authenticity and say, okay, television is here to stay, Jack's in it. And uh, it wouldn't be, it'd be for another year or more until uh, I Love Lucy came on and then it just dominated. Right. The other thing you mentioned is you mentioned that you had, you know somebody who says they saw the first episode. 
that would be a rarity too, even of, of folks, my, my dad and my mom uh, are both in their 90s, they could have watched it, they didn't watch it, because they didn't have a television at that time. Oh, there were, yeah. there was probably at that point, I think it was about 10% of the market that had actual right. televisions. Right, and uh, probably much more on the East Coast. There, there was a lockdown on the number of television stations. Um, in 1947 and 1948, um, uh, thousands of applications had gone in and it took the FCC a while to figure out who's gonna get what wavelength, what station number. And um, uh, so in, in 1948, they decided to say, no, we're gonna put, we're gonna stop. And this couple of hundred, maybe 148 stations, some relatively small number, were all that were allowed to be on the air. And it was not until 1952 that um, uh, the floodgates were opened again. So the, there Probably are many reasons why, <laughs> why people didn't have television stations in their town yet, or televisions were incredibly expensive. And this is where you get stories of uh, one family who had the TV hosting 25 folks over to the house right. to watch. Or like you know, Jack so mentions in this episode, watching through a, a window of a store where everybody's yeah. gathered around watching uh, the this, this yeah. show. Because uh, he so, says that's how he saw Dinosaur's show or something, I think, in this yeah. episode at one point. But let's get Terry on, because Terry hasn't said too much other than uh, trying to break up our fight. But <laughs> Terry, go ahead. <laughs> well, first of all, as we're recording this on Halloween, and of course this was um, a Halloween show, um, one of the first things that I noticed at the very beginning of the program was uh, the Lucky Strike commercial. And as the the disc on the pack on a giant uh, uh, packet of Lucky Strike uh, cigarettes lifted, uh, the person behind the disc uh, was wearing a death mask. <laughs> and I thought, how appropriate, cigarettes, a death mask. <laughs> I wonder if the sponsor was happy about that. <laughs> It well, was early sponsors ads, so I think it was early, okay. early honesty in advertising. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that too when I saw it. I thought, yes, that is very um, showing the the fate that will fall on uh, cigarettes, and of course, a little subliminal message going on. There. Yes, exactly. And then, so um, and and then I, I also was um, very entertained by the fact that, as was a, a common uh, custom in those days. Uh, Jack came out and talked about now before I start the show and and of course he was starting the show but he had yeah. he had a, a bit of a monologue to to warm up the audience and it, it was even though it did get some um, some uh, abuse by the critics it was in many ways a great example of what vaudeville was like mm -hmm. and so it was yes. a wonderful transition from uh, so many of those shows that were not filmed, certainly not televised, to the early days of television. And when you mentioned Milton Berle, yeah, he wasn't a great radio star, but he was a big vaudeville star. So that was a, a big uh, get for um, for the network. They had a they did have a genuine star, just not from radio. Right, right. Well, and and uh, I think Jack, when you hear interviews of him, he'll say how early television. He was looking at what was out there, and it was. A lot like vaudeville so he kind of took his his radio show and combined it with his vaudeville show and created this new thing which was his television show um 
I, I, I think that was an interesting concept for him to do. I wish he would have actually just brought across the radio show more clean and went, and went with that. I think that actually would have worked surprisingly well. Sure, but, but that is just what the critics told him not to do. Correct. In fact, some even demanded, some of the New York critics said, come up with a new character. Huh. For heaven's sakes, you've been doing this old one for so long. Be somebody else. Right. You know, ah, to, you know, I would think, but but this is how much. And what they also want to remember also that in 1950, the TV set screens were still quite small. And what the critics were demanding was physical action. This is why they, the critics, loved Milton Berle and Jerry Lewis mm. and Caesar for all the jumping up and down on small screens. And so Benny, you know, doing this and standing in front of the curtain just raised the hackles of these critics who are, are demanding the new uh, things. And in, in fact, it took until about Jack's third show where a perceptive critic goes, hey, you know, um, he's, he's staring at us um, uh, and, and he couldn't have done that on radio. Right. So it took the critics a little while to catch up with what Jack was already planning to do differently. Right. Um, I also am so, very happy yeah. that he uh, that he paced himself so much that he was going to try it out and see if it worked and not uh, jump into this uh, every week and, and possibly burn himself out. Kathy, you mentioned uh, that uh, it was um, a full moon, I think you said. It was a full moon then, and it's a full moon as we're having this conversation. In fact, it's not just a full moon. It's a blue moon. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's how often, when, when he jokingly said at the beginning, if you want to know when we're on again, just look for the next full moon. Uh -huh. Really, what he should have said was the next blue moon. Yeah. That's yeah. about how often he did these at yeah. first. Yeah. 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 That's right. Because it also meant there were no, um, uh, TV was not live out to California yet. He literally had to pack up the whole crew and everybody go to New York for 10 days in the middle of the season. So, um, uh, you know, it's a tremendous effort and a tremendous amount of work. Um, and yet I'm, I'm struck by the opening of, of the um, Benny show after the endless ads where, they, um, uh, where the bus driver and the sportsman and Jack come up in a cardboard cab. Yeah. You know, it looks so amateurish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so, I hate to say so primitive. Um, and to think that just, you know, on the radio with the, for, you know, with the big orchestra and, you know, radio in 1950 was so incredibly professional and polished and the, um, uh, uh, the limitations of early TV done on these small um, uh, New York stages, uh, uh, you know, that's, it, yeah. it really yeah. strikes me that it looks so or at least to my undergraduates when I show them these things. Sure. And they go, oh, TV was so primitive. Oh, was all entertainment so primitive? And then I show them a movie or I or I, I, I play them a radio broadcast. And they go, you know, why would people like this? Have I'll you talk about the bus thing in a minute with the sportsman because I want to say something about that unless someone else picks up on it. But uh, let's go to John because John hasn't said too much in quite a while. John, what did in this episode, like what stood out to you or... Yeah, well, if you, you, you know, mentioning doing things a little differently than the radio show or things that you wouldn't have done on the radio show, one of the things that I thought was a standout and I loved was Rochester's song. 
I think I guess sometimes on the radio, Rochester will sing, and it's sort of a gag because his voice is so, you know, outrageous. He'll go beyond his range and squeak and stuff like that. But uh, he was an excellent singer and dancer in this uh, this bit. I actually liked it even better than Dinah Shore. Um, and Dinah Shore mentioned that she was on Bob Hope's show. So I watched a little bit of that one. And it was an excellent performance on Bob, show, Bob Hope's show. Uh, it, his was like a two and a half hour special, not a 45 minute thing. But with her segment, she sang a song and she was very dynamic and engaging. And then after that, they did a skit where they talked about how there's this new song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how that song got started. And it cuts to her and Bob Hope in furs in like an igloo. So it's yeah. not exactly politically correct, but it's an interesting concept. Yes. And speaking of not being politically correct, the the even the Rochester piece on this show makes it he's got an apron on. He's he's definitely domestic help. And so that part didn't go over that well with at least modern audiences looking back and, and criticizing this episode. But I will say what he does with the singing, with the dancing, yeah. definitely is, it's definitely, he's got his own highlight that no one else, I don't think really on the show has a point where it's completely just them. Uh, uh, no, Jack that, that and, and Dinah Shore are back and forth together so much of the episode and things. And so he's really got a spotlight piece. It reminds me of his piece in uh, the Buck Benny Rides Again movie, mm -hmm. because in that he has some dancing he does. And of course, that's 10 years earlier, a decade earlier, at least. I think it's almost exactly a decade earlier. Anyway, he, his physicality is even more impressive in that. He's, he does a fantastic job in, in that film, if you ever get a chance to watch that. Um, Caroline, uh, I'd like to pick up on one other thing that Kathy said about uh, the radio television contrast. Yeah. I wanted to ask whether you all have ever heard the Stan Freeberg um, promos for radio and contrast them with what you could do on TV. Is that familiar to you? Yes, yes. Uh, you, you know, this is, this is a perfect example of, um, of how small television was compared to how enormous, limitless almost radio was. Yes. Yes, Sam Freeberg was was famous for doing all sorts of things in radio that even took it beyond. I mean, he'd be talking about how they had seventy five helicopters and he was yeah, watching right, them, right, and right. they were they were over this mountain, and and I, there's this this whole thing he does that is a bit on how the fact that that there's a limitless budget in radio, and of course because it's just your imagination, whatever your imagination yeah, exactly. you came up with, and in television you're stuck with the budget and. That is a great segue back to me because I was going to talk about the bus for a minute. The bus is obviously like a, a cardboard bus that they're in. And and I, I loved it that the, the sportsmen were singing. I believe that particular song was one of the few songs I don't believe they, there was a commercial in it. I don't I think they just sang the song straight. They come back later and do a commercial piece, but I don't think that one had it. And then the other thing that I noticed about that was it was really funny uh, either it was either towards the end of it i can't remember somewhere in the bit they somebody needed to move on the bus from where they were to some other position so people like would act like they're leaving the bus and then you could see the person bend down like because they, they couldn't get off and so they had to just act like they're gone and so bend down out of camera range and you can see them do that and i'm like oh the camera probably should have been a little lower so it didn't catch them doing that but you know it's the first television show they did and so there's certain things that just didn't work out as yeah. smoothly. Well, I have to make a confession. I didn't notice that it was a cardboard bus. 
<laughs> and the reason is because I was watching on my cell phone and it wasn't even full screen mode. It was sort of that half screen. So basically I'm watching it the way they watched it in the fifties okay. on that. Yes, you're honoring the time. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great point. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and I watched it just, just, I watched it on my 70 inch TV screen, yeah. <laughs> which it was never designed to be shown that big for sure. I mean, uh, it it's still it's amazing how good it looked still, but uh, uh, for for the t for that vintage and everything, I'm I'm delighted with the picture quality we did get. It's a great point about the sportsman not doing the commercial there. There are four Lucky's commercials in that 45 minute show, and Jack was very angry because um uh, uh Lucky uh, the American Tobacco said, "Oh no, and, you know there'd be three commercials in a half hour." And Jack said, "Okay, so you know, but they they insisted on adding another commercial, wow. so um, uh, you know, that very long one with the Halloween costumes at the beginning, and then that adorable one where that that seemed sort of combination of radio and television, where um the Lucky Strike comes down on the boom, <laughs> and and Don has to wiggle Jack's ear so he can say LSMFT, LSMFT. That was really, you know, um, that was cute." for having to be the extra added Correct. commercial. And that was a nod to the radio show in that later on, uh, Dinah Shore grabs him by the ear and he says LSMFT again. And that's the whole, oh yeah, we do callbacks just like we did in the, on the, on the, on the radio show. I mean, yeah. it's such an interesting thing that he was having to do or trying to do, which is take his radio audience with him, give them the things they're used to, give them the things they're comfortable with, expand into this new audience of television that's probably going to be more people maybe than than even on radio or at the time on radio anyway and 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 yet he does it he bridges it pretty well i mean i i've got to say i'm i'm pretty happy with what he decided to do on the show considering what he's looking at i mean he could have said uh like kathy's saying oh i gotta go bombastic i gotta be just different than i i'll be a different character entirely i'll do this thing and then i think he would have lasted you know a few years but he wouldn't have lasted 15 sure. but the fact that that he stood out he was he's the only one doing this he's the only one taking the time and staring at the audience and the whole thing everyone else is so busy dancing throwing pies at each other doing all kinds of crazy stuff that his show it just it just gave it a uh, to me, where it just seemed more high quality, more um, what? I don't know. It, yeah, there was just something about uh, it. It's sustainable. Like in this episode, they mentioned Olsen and Johnson. I don't know if you've seen Olsen and Johnson. They do that, that big crazy. They always have this crazy comedy where wild things are happening. And suddenly there's, I don't know, an elephant or something like that. Like it's, it's insane. But you could never do that every certainly not every week, not even every eight weeks or whatever, because it's right. just too much production and too much, you know, right. too many concepts to think of. Right. And and so in, in a way where we're very, Jack was very lucky and we're very lucky that he's so slowly eased into television yes. that, um, you know, once, so in these first couple of years, it's like four episodes, six episodes. Then when he, um, he gets, um, he and what private secretary and Southern, they have the time, but it's like every other week or once a month or something like that. So Jack doesn't go into weekly production until the late 50s, um, which is also why it was hard keep 
his ratings numbers were quite high, but the rating services didn't know how to measure him against other weekly shows because he was only on so irregularly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I suppose I suppose there's one other person we should mention, which is, um, you know, speaking here as a, as a producer, his producer, Hilliard Marks, Mary's uh, brother, right? Yes. Um, must have had a huge amount of input into the design of the program, dealing with the networks and, and all the rest. And of course, Jack's not just the star, but he's also, a, you know, a, a creative genius behind the show. But Hilliard Marks, uh, apart from a screen credit, doesn't get a lot of credit other than that. Um, yeah. Right. Oh, would, for sure. Some would say there's reason. <laughs> okay. I have another uh, <laughs> character I need to mention. Uh, Mr. Kitzel stops by and, yeah. and is in the show. I thought it's interesting for a couple things. One is the fact that just this week, um, our uh, previous uh, episodes that are on YouTube, uh, we had uh, um, left a comment. And so I talked to her a little bit on the comment and then she posted back giving some of the, I said, how well did she know him? Because of course he passed away in uh, 57 or 58. I think it was 57. Um, and and she said she did have memories of him and she talked about them beating uh, a necklace together and things and, and, and oh. a little bit about it, which was really nice. And uh, I'm going to ask her at some point, she wants to be on here and talk a little bit about her memories of him and we, and we can play one of his episodes. He was in, I think I said a dozen episodes before uh, is, is how many he was in. Anyway, uh, he's in this one. He comes, I thought it was interesting because he, he comes in when Jack's at his home and so he knocks on the door or whatever and Jack brings him in, comes in for two minutes or something and then leaves, of course. Uh, and I was thinking, how often do you have people stop over at your house and come in for two minutes and then leave? It just never happened. But it, but it wasn't just him. In Certainly in Burns and Allen's show, they often had people drop over for two minutes because that's the bit. I mean, you, you're not going to do a longer bit than a couple minutes. So essentially the person needs to leave and you got to go, well, they just kind of stop over every once in a while for a couple minutes and then leave. And I'm like, well, that seems so weird. rude. It's like, well, don't you want to no, stay? You're right. You stop for and, one of the bananas. So. Yeah, no, but, but you're right. It's something that you kind of don't notice too much on radio because you don't have to see it. Right. But, and so I would say that maybe the Benny and his writers stopped doing that because it looks a little awkward. You gotta find other public places for yes. them to meet. Right. Then it makes total them. sense, because then they're bumping into each, you know, you run into a guy on the street, well, yeah, you only spend about two minutes, but in, in your home. And it did life. give them one more Lucky Strike commercial, right? <laughs> right. Yes, yes. What does that make, five? Yes. Uh. And I, I was a little concerned at one point, uh, you know, <laughs> When Rochester ate the banana, was eating the banana that, that Jack had and then shoved it in his pocket, I was like, they're not going to do the joke I think they might do when Jack comes in, are they? But they didn't do it, so that was good. So, <laughs> and, and yet, on the other hand, I've always thought that the tight blue dress was a little bit more of an overt sexual, you know, yeah. you know reference than they did on the radio. On the radio, it would be more about complimenting Jack's womanly legs or, you know, or if so, it would be that sort of gender bending cross-dressing kind of thing. But um, the, uh, apparently they did that on purpose 
And the second episode of the television show, which has Faye Emerson, who is mostly known for her figure, and um, Frank Sinatra. And in that second episode, they go even heavier for the sort of Vegas nightclub-y routines about adult sexual humor. Yeah. And that made Benny's core family audience of radio hugely upset. And there were letters, all kinds of reactions of, oh, I'll never watch, that's icky, that's sexual, that's not my Jack Benny. No. I won't watch him again. So it's part of Benny and his writers trying to figure out how do you do television? What's, you know, um, it's a Saturday night audience, not Sunday at seven. What do they want? What is what is current enough? What is hip enough? Right. Well, and, and it just shows how hip Jack was, or at least because they do the they do a callback with the with the blue dress thing. Of course, that's they, they have it earlier in the episode with Rochester and his girlfriend. Oh, and speaking of that, they have they do have a, a black actress play his his girlfriend or the girl he's going to go on a date with, and she was very attractive i mean I, I was just wow she was she was very pretty i was like and it, and and to have two black folks talking to each other on television in 1950 in 1950 yeah had to be a rarity other than of course amos and andy which played it too far the stereotypes and these they weren't as much being stereotyped certainly not when they were talking to each other uh and then the other piece i was going to say is they talked about the blue dress then then they bring it back up with with jack and then being jack is the ultimate at callbacks the whole blue dress thing becomes a huge thing decades later with the clinton administration so i just think that was really interesting how that all ties together um jack was way ahead of his time so let's let's move on to uh terry you got any last thoughts on on any anything in here or I just I, I was delighted that he was able to masterfully blend radio and television. It was a television show, but it was also, in many ways, as we've been discussing, still very much his radio show. He had the he had the good judgment not to follow the critics or whoever else was advising him to create a new character. It, as we've talked about in the past, Jack's always right. <laughs> he's always right, and many of the laughs that we get are from things we anticipate because we've yeah. known him for all these years and had all the, the preparation for every gag. And it was, uh, it was brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And he was walking a tightrope trying to kind of please everybody <laughs> really. I mean, it, yeah. he took into account what the critics were saying, what television was doing, what he was doing in radio. And he kind of blended the whole thing. And I think did a brilliant job, John, any last things for you? Uh, well, since we were talking about sort of uh, controversial things, you know, uh, there, there's sometimes on the radio show where they'll do like a suicide joke. And yes. uh, I always, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. And I, it never oh really my. works for me. But I got to say, the one in this episode actually kind of works. So maybe it's, uh, maybe uh, it, it, some people might be a little sensitive to that uh, topic. But um, but right. I, I think it worked in this episode. Well, it, and I would agree with that, uh, that it just depends on how it works and gosh, how it plays 70 years later, right? So who yeah. knew when you're writing the thing, how it's going to, I mean, you're just trying to play for the current audience. You're not trying to think about the future. So often I find the problem, and I'm sure John will know this too, is often with Mary, because Mary will say, why don't you just go kill yourself then, to Jack. Multiple different episodes, she said that. And every time, it just kind of sinks. One, because we know kind of the relationship Mary has with lots of people offstage. We've heard a lot about that. And it's, so it just 
doesn't ring right. And of course, anyone telling Jack that he should just go kill himself, I'll automatically get your hackles up a little bit. And sometimes she says it a little too uh, real or a little, it doesn't sound funny or it's not in her giggly sort of way. I mean, if she would have done more of her little laugh thing with that when she did him deliver the line, that would have worked better, but she didn't. So often that line was just clean and uh, anyway. But uh, Kathy, anything else that you have for us? I'm so grateful that we have this show being live. So much of early television is lost. And even uh, quite a number of Benny's next episodes are not in circulation. The one I mentioned with Faye Emerson and Frank Sinatra is not. Uh, but to say, indeed, it was um, Jack's experiment. And you can tell at the very end, they were indeed running out of time. Because originally in the script, um, Jack was supposed to be playing the violin while the entire studio audience uh, left the theater. Yes. But they were so much running out of time that they had to cut that really short. But so, at least you um, saw the people getting up. You got the concept yes, that they yes. were leaving. I thought that was a great yes, little which bit. Is, which is great. But yes. so how, how marvelous that we can see this thing not polished down to the, the very inch of it. But it gives us a sense of how much they were um, having to make things up from scratch and do things live in early but, television. But I will say this, every time I watched it, I thought, that's, Jack's better than that. Jack would have his timing down better than that. What's going on? And what you said about the fact he was preparing for three commercials and all of a sudden they throw in a fourth, I think that threw it off just enough because it, was, it wasn't off by a ton. It was off by, if you would have given it 30 more seconds, 40 more seconds, you could have showed the audience leaving a little better and that sort of yep, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur says, you know, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're going to take, we, all we're going to take is this minute and a half. They don't realize how much that makes it difficult for Jack to, to get the show going and figure out. You know, and also he was so unused to, in doing the show, you know, in radio, you could seamlessly move quickly from one thing to another. You didn't have the body walking across stage or right. moving the cameras. Or, or crawling across the, the bus. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, so, man. But, uh, what, a, what a wonderful show. I'm so glad we could bring it to you. Uh, like Kathy says, we basically have one episode from the first season that's in circulation. That's this one. We have one episode from the second season that's in circulation, and, and that's it. That We have the two season openers for the two seasons. And then by the third season, we start to get more episodes that are available. But the beautiful thing, and, and Kathy has shown it um, certainly uh, Laura Leff's book, is that it does say that all the episodes are in various, housed various places. I don't think there's any lost, totally lost episodes. It's just, can we get to them as a public? No, unfortunately, you have to arrange with the universities and things to get there and see the episodes into the... One of these days, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but they're there. And, and uh, we do have the scripts for like... I, think almost all the television shows so uh, who knows maybe someday we'll present those uh, in our podcast or something in the future but without further ado let's go ahead and get into this week's episode the very first episode of jack benny from 50 years ago this week 70 years ago this week. 70 years ago this week thank you and uh, that's it so thanks guys Good job. Ken Murray and his sponsor, Anheuser-Busch, makers of Budweiser, are glad to relinquish their time tonight so that we may bring you this special telecast of the Jack Benny Show. Ken Murray will be back again, as usual, next week at this same time.
For the first time on television, The Jack Benny Show, brought to you by the makers of Lucky Strike. You made your plans for Halloween yet? Well, so have we, and we're on a ghost-to-ghost hookup right now. I'll ring your doorbell Tuesday night, don't hide behind the screen. I'll bring you packs of Lucky for a happy Halloween. Be happy, go lucky, be happy, go lucky, strike, be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike today. No other smoke could light me up so gaily. These luckies are so rich and mild, I smoke a carton daily. Be happy, go lucky, be happy, go lucky, be happy, go lucky, go lucky, Yes, sir, there's just no doubt about it, neighbor. At Halloween or at any other time, when you've got luckies on hand, you're bound to have a happy time of it. Why? Because you just can't beat that wonderful combination of perfect mildness and rich, true tobacco taste. Now, you take that mildness part a lucky gives you. Well, a lucky gives you perfect mildness every time. That's what I said. And that's what those scientific tests say, too. And remember, they proved luckies are milder than any other principal brand. And as for that rich taste of Lucky Strike, why, shucks, you can find out all about that just by lighting a Lucky Strike. Say, how about that? Join me in a lucky right now. Learn what a difference truly fine tobacco makes in your own deep down smoking enjoyment. Because only fine tobacco can always give you both perfect mildness and rich taste. And partner, LSMFT. Lucky strike means fine tobacco. So why don't you be happy? Go lucky. Try a carton today. Be happy, go lucky, be happy, go lucky, strike, be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike, today. 65th Street and Broadway, let him off, let him off, please. Don't block the aisle, let him off. Watch it.
give a million dollars to know how I look. Well, it's too late now. But ladies and gentlemen, I must tell you before we start the show how I happened to get in, in television at this time. You see, all last year it got to be a little bit embarrassing because, uh, you know, a lot of my fans would write to me and my friends would ask me, they want to know why I wasn't in television. They want to know if I was afraid of it. You know, if I was nervous about it. I mean, it was ridiculous, really. I, no, I wasn't nervous or afraid. It was my sponsor who didn't have the nerve. <laughs> but of course, now that we're in it, he's, he's really going to plunge this time. I'm going to be on television once every eight weeks. <laughs> Every eight weeks, I'm going to do a television show, so uh, don't expect to see my program advertised on your uh, television page in the newspaper. You'll probably find it on your calendar under full moon. <laughs> but I love to... You know, the, I tell you, I love it. I just got in it. I don't know. But the thing that I, I like... Of, about this medium, it, it's going to bring me into New York at least four times a year. And that's the one thing I, 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 I'm not saying it. Mm. Now, really, I, I, I'm not saying this because you're sitting here, you know, but I love New York. I, I don't know, there's, uh, you've got to get away from California once in a while. You see, I love it there too. But here, there's so much excitement in New York. I don't know what. Guys, I've only been here 10 days, you know, and 30 bucks went like that. You know? <laughs> Next time I'm coming alone. <laughs> of course, I know what you're laughing at. You know, you probably listen to my radio program and you think that I'm stingy and miserly. And of course, that is a character, ladies and gentlemen, that I assume... <laughs> No, really, purely for your entertainment, because I'm not stingy or anything like that. Although I must say that while in New York, I do have to be a little bit careful about expenses. You see, as a matter of fact, right now I'm sort of roughing it here. I'm living in a modest place. I have a room overlooking the beautiful Sherry Netherlands Hotel. I thought it was better than paying the Sherry Netherlands prices and overlook the dump that I'm living in. <laughs> but I mustn't stay out here too long. I have to uh, sort of be the MC for this. Um, I really don't need these glasses. <laughs> I, 
I just use them for seeing. <laughs> Holy smokes, there's an audience. But I, um, of course, you know, most comedians, I noticed, I meant to say this before, are always nervous. I've watched their first shows, you know, and most of them are nervous, but I'm, I'm not at all. I, I, I feel this way, this way I am. I mean, if, I mean, this is my character, you see what I mean? <laughs> if I'm a success tonight, all right, you know? <laughs> if not, I'll kill myself. <laughs> but the reason that I, um... Mary, how do I look? Now, the reason... <laughs> the reason I have this card here is because during rehearsal, you see, we've changed the show around so many times that I, I keep forgetting what comes on next. See? So, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to introduce next the uh, a fellow hey, who has been with me Joe. for about... Pardon me a moment. Joe, move light number five a little to the left. He's getting too much shadow on his face. And another thing, don't shoot from that side camera. You can't take a profile. It makes him look lousy. <laughs> look, look. Oh, pardon. <laughs> Everything else is okay. Look, mister. Hi, it's okay. <laughs> hey, when are you coming to New York? Look, what are you doing? I'm saying hello to my aunt in California. Look, this is a live show. You see, we only go as far as St. Louis or Kansas City. Doesn't go. It, this probably won't reach California for about two weeks. Oh, well, I was talking to a critic during rehearsal, and he said if the wind is right, they may get it tonight. Oh, if he trimmed his mustache a little, he'd look like Mary's sister, Babe. <laughs> well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I started to present, I know you'll be very, very happy to meet, my radio announcer. Now, I've been in radio 19 years, and he's been with me 17 of those 19 years, Don Wilson. I was just telling all the folks out there that you have been with me 17 of my 19 years in radio. Well, thanks, Jack. And I must say those 17 years have been very happy ones. Well, thank you, Don. <laughs> Not fruitful, but happy. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Jack, I'd like to add that I hope I'll be with you for 17 years in television. Well, Don, we can't be sure of that. I hope so, too, of 17 years. So let's at least make the most of this hour now. <laughs> Of course, I'm not nervous, Don, as I was telling him before about television, because of my experiences in the movies. As a matter of fact, right now I have a 10-year contract with Warner Brothers, and there's a clause in it that uh, permits me to do television shows. Oh, really? Yes. That was good, the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Two words and what he made out of it. <laughs> Oh, yes, Don, this is right under, this is right under the clause that prevents me from making pictures. <laughs> See, I didn't realize when the horn blew at midnight that it was blowing taps. 
But look at Don. Would you, uh, would you like to, uh, anyway, what? Jack, well, getting, getting back to television for just a moment. I'm glad you got me out of that. I think, uh, <laughs> I think what? we're going to find the things we did in radio won't always fit here. What do you mean, Don? Well, now, for instance, uh, on radio, you always talked about how fat I am. Hmm? And you got laughs talking about how many chins I have. Uh-huh. Now everybody can see I only have one. Yeah. Well, I, um... <laughs> I thought the makeup man did a marvelous job cementing them together. <laughs> but look at that. Would you like to introduce the members of the, of the show, the cast? Oh, yes, indeed I would, Jack. But right now it's time for a commercial. Already? Mm-hmm. Well, well, then I'll leave you alone. Oh, no, no, Jack. Stay right here. I want you to help me with this. With the commercial? Yes. Do you uh, have a package of Lucky Strike with you? Well, I, I generally have. I, so I, I should have a package. Here's some... Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, um... We're always ready. Always. <laughs> yes. uh, now, what, 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 do you, what should I do now? What do well, I do with Jack, that? I'll explain it to you. Come here just a minute. Yes. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, well, go ahead. No? Okay. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your cigarette. Enjoy truly fine tobacco that combines both real mildness and rich taste in one grand cigarette, Lucky Strike. Or only fine tobacco gives you both real mildness and rich taste. So, friends, be happy. Go lucky. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, for real deep-down smoking enjoyment that comes from truly fine tobacco. Can I change Lucky Strike. Yes, go right ahead, Jack. Change is perfectly all right. Okay. Now, scientific test proved Lucky Strike is milder than any other principal brand. And why? L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Thank you. Well, Don, that was just one. You can even have it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was really great. And now that you got your little message over, now would you like to introduce some of the other stars? Like Dinah Dinah Shore. Would you like to introduce Dinah Shore? Indeed I would, Jack. But I thought you told me you were going to have Olsen and Johnson as guests. Well, we were going to have Olsen and Johnson, but they had some silly comedy idea of blowing up the theater. I was afraid of it, you see. So uh, we're having Dinah Shore instead. Well, it just happened a couple of days ago then, didn't it? Oh, no, 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 Don. You see, this was about, uh, oh, about three weeks ago. You see, I was home in Beverly Hills, you know. And I realized the time was getting short, and I ought to do something about getting a television show together.
Jack Benny and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Two presidents and the honorary mayor of Cucamonga. <laughs> Uh-oh, here comes the boy now. you're not supposed to be conscious of a studio audience. You know, you're, you're supposed to look like you're, you're not entertaining anybody. Boss, I saw your last rehearsal. You've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rochester. But one show under my belt and everything will be all right. I'll have a lot to do right now. Oh, hello, Polly. Daddy didn't mean to neglect you. How do things go today? Count the fruit. Count the fruit. What? Count the fruit. Rochester. Rochester, did you eat a, a banana? Rochester, answer me. Did you eat a banana? Uh, yes, boss, and uh, I might as well tell you I ate an apple, too. An apple when? Last July. Last July. Well, why tell me about it now? What's the difference you'll find out about it in January when you take inventory? Rochester, I don't mind you taking fruit. I just want you to mark it down in a book so I'll know where I stand. That's all. Ah, Polly, you're going to be proud of Daddy pretty soon. Daddy's going to go on television, you know. Isn't that cute? She laid an egg. Gee, I hope it ain't catching. <laughs> Say, boss, would you like to have me fix you something to eat? No, just a sandwich is all, Rochester. Okay. Because I'm not very, very hungry. I'll get the door. Come in. Well, hello, Mr. Kitsa. Hello, Well, come in. Come in. Hey, this is, this is really a surprise. I mean, what are you doing in this neighborhood? Well, I heard you're going to New York on television, so I just came by to wish you a very happy video. Oh, well, thank you very, very much. Sit down. Thank you very down, much. Oh, my, oh, my. How I envy you going to New York. What a city, what a city. You, you come from there, don't you, Mr. Kitzel? Not exactly. You see, I was born in a suburb of New York. A suburb of New York? Which one? Ellis Island. <laughs> well, look, uh, how, you couldn't have been born in Ellis Island. I thought that's where immigrants just passed through. Oh, in those days, they held you up a long time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look what we got. <laughs> that's all right, Polly. The first time I ever saw a burglar alarm with feathers. She didn't mean anything, really. Help yourself. No, thank you. I don't want to make the poly nervous. <laughs> well, you, you really like New York, eh, Mr. Kitzel? What I wouldn't give to be back in New York to walk once again down Broadway, to 
see those theaters and those crowds and that big electric sign in front of the Times building. Oh, oh you mean the sign that has all the news on it, you know, that goes by and light? Yeah, that's the one. What an invention. What other corner of the world could you get hit by a car and read about it while you're laying there waiting for the ambulance? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's the only place it can happen, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what are you looking for, Mr. Kitzel? A cigarette. Oh. Oh, here. Oh, is that empty again? <laughs> <laughs> Just recently empty. Yes, yes. Mr. Benny, you what? got a cigarette? A cigarette? Yes. Why, certainly, Mr. Kitzel. Of course, right over here. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> From the machine? Yes. Maybe in Beverly Hills it's fashionable. <laughs> well, Mr. Beanie, I guess I got to be running along now. But well, before I you. go, I want to wish you again good luck on television. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much, Mr. Kiss. It was awfully nice of you to drop in. Nice to be here. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Come again. Benny. See me again. Leave it right over there, Rochester. I gotta figure out what I'm going to do on my show. On the first show, I haven't got it figured out yet. Now, first, I know first, I've got to have an over. Oh, Miss Higgins, uh, use the Bendix on the end. The others are reserved. Right? <laughs> on my first show. I'm going to have to have, um, well, I'll have the overture, and then I'll, um, Rochester, you've been putting a little too much bluing in my murine lately. <laughs> and then I'll have the quartet, and I'll have them sing something about show business, maybe the quartet, a number about show business, and then, see, my teeth are beautiful. <laughs> and, oh, I knew I forgot something. Hey, Rochester, Mr. Paley wanted me to get a guest star, and I promised him that I'd try and get Dinah Shore. Let's see, I know I got her number here somewhere. Let's see, Dinah Shore. Crestview, 711-16. Quiet, Polly. Let's see, Dinah Shore. Crestview, 711-16. Quiet, quiet. Let's see, oh, here it is, Dinah Shore. Crestview, 71115. Yeah. <laughs> Press you <laughs> seven one 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 five. What number did you dial, please? Oh, Crestview seven one 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 five. That number has been changed to Crestview seven one 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 Okay, uh, ring that number, will you, uh, operator? Hello? Hello, I'd like to speak to Dinah Shore, please. 
This is Miss Short speaking. Oh, oh, hello, Dinah. Hello, who's this? Guess. Well, I haven't the faintest idea. Well, try. Well, look, I don't know who you are, and I'm all... Now, look, look, I'll give you a hint. Uh About six years ago, uh, you were making pictures at MGM, weren't you? That's right. Well, now, who had the dressing room next to yours? Oh, hello, Ava! (laughs) No, no, look, Dinah. Ava Gardner had the dressing room on one side of you. Now, who had the one on the other side? That was the washroom. Only part of it. <laughs> Look, Dinah, uh, this is Jack Benny. Oh, Jack, hello. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Oh, it's been almost a year now. That's right. Now, look, Dinah, here's why I called. Well, look, Jack, if it's about my Christmas cards, I've already... No, 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 I, no, I was going to call you about that later. <laughs> now, Dinah, the reason I called is because on October 28th, on Saturday, I'm going to do my first television show, and I'd love to have you as my guest. Well, Jack, I'm very flattered. How'd you happen to think of me? Well, I, uh, I saw you on Bob Hope's program about six weeks ago. I thought you were just wonderful. Thank you. And, of course, Dinah, uh-huh. between you and me, I would have never let you do that last number, you know. That, the one oh, the, which one was that, Jack? The one where you were dressed in, in those tight slacks and you kept walking up and down the stage, swinging your hips. That was Bob. Oh, <laughs> Well, I, I couldn't get near the screen, you know. The, the, it was so crowded in front of the store. <laughs> well, look, Dinah, how much money would you want to be a, a guest on my, on my program? Oh, Jack, I don't think we ought to talk about money. Now the important thing is to do a good show. What would you want me to sing? Well, I don't know. I imagine you'd be the best judge of that, you know. Well, those old standards are always good. Something like, uh, well, like, uh, let me sing a little bit of one for you and see how you like it, all right? Yeah. All right. At the sky above and at the earth below, where I'm so in love and where I love you so. You remember this one, Jack? Yeah. yeah. Couldn't tell you why I tried it. Just why didn't find you? Can you hear me? Nah, oh, fine. When you went away, you left a glowing spot. Trying to begin, it's just a thing in the dark. I am only what you make me.
mind. It sounded swell. Now, getting back to business, now, how much money would you want to be a guest? Huh? Oh, Jack, I don't know how much money to ask for. I'm not much of a business. Well, well, anything. Just name a price. I mean, I won't take advantage of you. <laughs> well, uh, Jack, I think you ought to pay me what I got on my last television show. How much was that? $5,000. Well, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rochester. You're welcome. Uh, Look, how much money did you ask for? $5,000. Dinah. Uh-huh? What happened, Jack? Uh, look, I, I'm all right. I'm all, I'm all right now, Dinah, but look at it. Uh-huh. Uh, let's, let's do this in a business-like way. I think 5000 is too much. Now, I could go as high. Your time is up. Deposit five cents for another three minutes, please. <laughs> oh, Dinah. You called me, Jack. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> now, look, Dinah, won't you reconsider that? Uh, uh, I think it's just a little bit too much. Oh, Jack, what have you got against $5,000? Nothing. That's why I'd like to keep it. <laughs> Uh, look at Dinah. Look, Jack, what? we shouldn't be talking business. That's what we have agents for. Well... You see, my agent's name is Task Driver. Why don't you have your agent call my agent? Well, all right. That's the way you want it, Dinah. That's the way it'll be. You know? I think it's better that way, Jack. Uh, okay. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, oh Dinah. Yes, Listen, Jack. when we do our show, wear that green taffeta dress. The you blue know, one. The blue one. <laughs> Polly, look, wear that green taffeta dress. The blue one, the blue one. All right, wear that blue dress. Oh, Jack, that blue dress is so tight. (laughs) All right, Dinah, wear anything. I'll see you there, huh? Goodbye. Well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, as I try to explain to Don Wilson, that's the way we had Dinah Shore. Now, before I bring around, though, I think it's no more than right that I thank the Anheuser-Busch people for, uh... Oh, I look now. <laughs> uh, anything for a laugh, even if you look lousy. But uh, I want to thank the Anheuser-Busch people for giving me these 45 minutes. And I also would like to thank my very, very dear friend, that very fine comedian who's the star of that show, Mr. Ken Murray, personally. And he's right here, and I'd just like to have him say it. Well, I see you're smoking a cigarette, huh? Yeah, I got your letter. Ken? I want to thank you very, very much for being on my show. I really do. Well, that's nothing, Jack. I would do anything in the world for you. I'd give you my shirt. Really? Yeah. You do the best laundry in town, don't you? <laughs> Are you one of my customers? I certainly am. Just take a look at that NSM. Oh, yes. No starch, uh, Murray. That's right. That's right. Clean but limpy. <laughs> Jack, uh, listen, let me say one word, will you? You're, you're a little behind. The fellow just came back and said, oh, rush yes, it up. I but know, that's all right. 
I want to tell you I dropped by to wish you all the luck in the world to one of the very nicest fellas in our business. Thank you. you. Thank and you. good luck to you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we really do have to rest. It's a shame you never know how to time these first shows. I'd like to bring you my guest star now, the most popular singer of popular songs in America, Miss Dinah Shore. For $5,000, you could have walked faster, you know. <laughs> well, Dinah, I'm very happy you're on the show. Now, tell me, what are you going to sing for your first number? I thought I'd sing Tess's Torch song. Oh, that's wonderful. But look at, uh, Dinah, do you think it would help your number if I accompanied you on the violin? Uh, well, Jack, that's very sweet of you, but I don't want you to go to all that Oh, no bother. I have the violin with me right in my dressing room, yeah? Well, uh, uh, Jack, uh, you see, I've already rehearsed it with the orchestra, and I think any added instrument might make me a little nervous. Well, it was just a suggestion, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, maybe some other time, huh? Yes, well, yes. thanks, just the same, you know. Good luck. Thank you. thinking though before uh -huh. it seems that i i don't know all week we've been here rehearsing you uh -huh. know and uh i don't know i never got to see you at all this week oh. you come in the theater alone and you'd leave alone and uh -huh. i was just wondering that if tonight now that the excitement of the first show is over uh -huh. i was wondering if you mind maybe if we went out together and i'd take you home afterwards you know oh jack i can't see any harm in that oh i wish you could <laughs>
Well, now, uh, for instance, do you take your tea with cream, and in your favorite dream, is there a house with a view? And would your heart go boom, 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 if I should walk into the room, I ought to know more about If we really have a date, and we can stay out late, just tell me, what will you do? Can we drive us? I ought to know more about you. Are you really 39, or are you 49, or are you 72? And I would like to know so much if we go out to we go Dutch, I ought to know more about you. Well, we're asking questions now. I'd like to know somehow just what we're both going to do. Can I have a real good time and be back home at half past nine? I ought to know more. I ought to know more. We ought to know more. I do. To take a rest, you like, do you go lucky strike like all the smart people do? And do you love to pop and pop? Because you know they're never up. We ought to know more about you. I thought they were talking about me. I ought to know more. We ought to know more. We got to know more about you. Ladies and gentlemen, our time is nearly up, and I don't believe you'd want to leave without hearing my theme song, Love in Blue. Thank you, if you please. that always combines both perfect mildness and rich taste in one great cigarette, Lucky Strike. So remember, make your next carton, Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike today. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>